concept. It's part of who God is and what God desires of us and requires of us. Honor, um, much of what we're into today, what we're dealing with today, is because this concept of honor, the practice of honor, has virtually evaporated. It's disappeared. It's a, it's a concept that, that most of this generation or the generation before it has no concept of because they see so, so little of it. And that's what the world is like. And I understand that. But what's troubling is you see so little understanding of what honor is in the church among believers. So we're going to talk about this. And this is based on an experience I had, which I will share with you, share with you at the end. Romans chapter 1. Let me just put that up quickly. I don't want to spend too much time on this. Romans chapter 1. Paul is dealing here with, with the, 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 world, the world. The world that's unbelieving. And he's talking here about a wisdom. He gets into a wisdom. But he says, Since the creation of the world, his, God's invisible attributes, are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. So regardless of whether or not we think, well, I don't know, I don't know whether I can believe or God or not, God says he's given us enough evidence by the creation. Our attributes are clear, being understood by things that are made. So we're the things that are made and we understand that there's a God through the things that He's made, even His eternal power and Godhead, that they are, we are all without excuse. Now, you may think you've got some great ones, but God says, <laughs> you're without excuse. My mother used to pull her glasses down and looked at me, and it's, it's over, you're in trouble, it doesn't matter what you say, she's got you. All right. <laughs> Verse 21. I want to move quickly through here. Because although, this is the key, although they knew God, that doesn't mean they know Him by experience, they know that there is a God, they did not glorify Him as God. Now that word glorify means to, to, to recognize the superior value of Him, the position that He has, who He is, it really means to honor. So we can read it this way, because they knew that there was a God, but they did not honor Him as God, nor were they thankful. Look what happened to Him. This is what the world is. They became futile in their thoughts. They thought, he goes on to talk about, they thought they were wise, but from God's perspective, they're foolish. So the wisdom of this world is in God's eyes foolishness. Why? Because at the heart of it, these people deny that there's a God. They don't deny it exists. They refuse to give Him honor. And by refusing to give honor, all their thoughts, all their reasonings, are futile. That means they produce nothing. That's the world. My concern is this describes much of the church. Although we know God, although we believe in God, do we really give Him the honor that He is due? Because He's saying here, when we fail to give Him the honor that is due and we fail to be thankful our thoughts and understandings become futile or powerless. So somehow, in God's mind, which is always right, there's a connection between honor and, and our ability to accomplish and produce in this life and fulfill what we are here to do. And their foolish hearts were darkened. We're going to end with that. I don't want to go through the rest of the verses which I gave to them. But this is where the world is. So we want to talk about honor today and especially honoring not just God, but our fathers. So, I want to give you a little background here. Exodus chapter 19 and Exodus 20 is the story, of the beginning of the story of how God, God decides to reintroduce Himself to the nation of Israel. 
God created the nation of Israel 100, 400 and some years earlier by choosing a man, Abraham, giving him a child supernaturally, and then we went from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, and then Joseph, and they went into, they went into, bond, into, into Egypt so that God could provide for them in a famine, but they overstayed their need to be there. I don't have time to get into that and explain how that happened. So what we pick up here, they're coming out of that bondage. They've been there 430 years. They've lived in a nation that is one of the most idolatrous nations that's ever existed. They had over 2,000 gods that they worshipped. For every need they had, there was a god. And they were ruled by Pharaoh. Pharaoh was an absolute, he had absolute power, absolute authority, and he did not rule by honor, he ruled by fear. So this is where they're coming out of. They're coming out of, a, of, a, out of a, a lifetime experience for all of them of being in a culture that's in bondage, that's idolatrous, that's ruled by fear, and there's no concept of honor. And God has brought them out supernaturally, rescued them supernaturally, and now God in chapter 19 of Exodus is going to introduce himself, reintroduce himself to the nation of Israel, and for this generation, introduce himself for the first time so that they have an idea of who this God is that they belong to. And so in Exodus 19, God comes to Moses and tells them to call the people out in three days around the base of the mountain, have them sanctify themselves, clean their clothes up, get their life straightened out. And there's a message in that, which I almost preached during worship, but that's okay. Um, I don't want, don't, don't, John, don't get off on this because you'll never get done. Okay. And then he they has them assembled, and then God comes down in their presence not in His glory, God comes down in His power. God reveals Himself at different times, in different manners, whatever is appropriate for what He wants to accomplish. So in this case, He comes down on the top of the mountain in thunder and lightning and power because He wants to show them who He is, who His power is, who His majesty is, so that they will reverence Him because they've served a God, they've served, they've served a man that claimed He was God but wasn't God and really had no power. So we're going to begin very familiar verses, Exodus chapter 20. These are the things that God instructs Moses. This is what we call the Ten Commandments. And God spoke these words saying, I, he's introducing himself, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of bondage. I am the Lord. Lord means ultimate authority. I am your, I belong to you, and I am your God, not those 2,000. I'm the source of everything you need and everything you are. I am your source, and I'm the one that brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And now he begins to give them some instructions based on that. And we're going to go quickly through these. You shall have no other gods before me. Keep going. You shall not make for yourself a carved or graven image. Keep going. You shall now bow down to them or serve them, because I, the Lord, am a jealous God. Go ahead, Nick, keep going, verse 6. You sh- but showing mercy, keep going, verse 7. I just want to... Sk- you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Next verse. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Six days you've labored and do all your work, but the seventh day, the Sabbath day, is the Lord your God. And if you do, and you do no work, and your son, or your daughter, your male servants, your female servants, cattle, and everything that belongs to you. Verse 11. For six days the Lord made the heavens. It's interesting. This is the one where he draws out even more than any. Six days he made the heavens and earth, the sea, and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. The Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Verse 12. 
Honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Father your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. And you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, wife, or anything that your neighbor has. Familiar with all these. In these, God is establishing the foundation for their relationship with Him and their relationship with each other's. And as I was meditating on these, I noticed this. Each of these commandments is either about honoring God and who He is or honoring one another. Because if you honor one another, you're not going to steal from them, you're not going to lie about them, you're not going to steal their stuff or covet their stuff. If you, you, if you honor them, you won't do any of these things. So it's all about honor and, and they're tied together. Because what God is basically saying is, I'm commanding you to honor me and I'm commanding you to honor one another because when you honor one another, you honor me. They're connected together. And what we're going to see is you cannot give honor to one and not give honor to the other. On the other hand, you cannot dishonor one another and be honoring God. In other words, you can't honor selectively. I can't choose, let's see... um, um, well, I, I like Bruce. I'm going to honor him. But Gary, I'm not so sure of. I'm just going to dishonor Gary. Because you, whatever you're doing in your heart, you're going to do to everybody, whether you realize it or not. So what God's saying here is there's a connection between the way you honor one another and the way you honor me. I was thinking of this verse on the way in. He's t- his issue he had with Israel is he says, you honor me with your lips during praise and worship. We love you, Lord, but your heart's far away from me. We'll talk about that in a few minutes if I move on. Now, isn't it interesting? One of these commandments is about honoring your father and mother, and that's what we're going to talk about today. He's made a connection between honoring him as God and honoring our parents. You cannot honor one without honoring the other, and you cannot dishonor one without dishonoring other. Now, I'm going to say something here that's a little difficult, but I want you to bear with me. This is why it's so important to understand why honor is so important. Let me put it this way. If it's that important to God, it ought to be that important to us. Now, what God was doing with Israel here in these commandments and all the rest of the laws He gave them and rules He gave them, God was instilling in them a sense that they were different than everybody else. And they were different than all the other nations because they belonged to Him. The term that was used is they were holy. Holy to the Lord. Holy means that they were set apart for His purposes and for Him. And He had to give them instructions and rules so that it would get through to their senses. They weren't like everybody else. And that's just as needed today as it was back then. So He gave them some very strict rules to follow and some strict consequences if they didn't follow them, and that's referred to as the, the law. But the purpose of this wasn't so God, because God was angry, the purpose of these laws and these strict requirements and strict punishments was not because God was angry, He was doing what a good father does. He was disciplining His children to build in them a discipline that would lead them closer to Him. 
And those of you that had fathers that disciplined you the right way, you are truly blessed. Now to protect them from anything that would draw their hearts away from him, that's really what it was designed to do. He gave them some, some very demanding requirements, and I'm not going to go through all of them. He fid, forbid, forbade them, forbid them, forbade, either one, uh, to, to take foreign wives. He told them they couldn't marry outside of the Hebrew faith. Why? Because he tells them why. He says, because when you marry somebody that's outside of the covenant that I have with you, they're going to bring their gods with them. And their gods will come into the bedroom and their gods will have an influence in your life. And all you've got to do is read the, the, the story of Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived. He broke that commandment and suffered that consequence. He told them what they could eat and what they couldn't eat. Imagine God having the authority. That, who does he think he is that he can tell you what to eat and not eat? I'm my own boss. I can do what I want. Yeah, see where it ends you. He told them, we just saw that, that they had to have, take one day of the week that was his. And that was a weekly reminder that they belonged to him first. But I want to read you something that may disturb you when I read it. And I sent this background so you could understand. Deuteronomy 21. He's going to talk about what they had to do. There were punish consequences for disobeying these laws. Put Deuteronomy 21 up. Now, those of you that have Teenagers, don't stand up and cheer and don't try to do this. But this is what God instructed them to do. If a man has a stubborn or rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother and whom, when they have chastened him, did not heed them, then his father and mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of the church to the gate. You ready for this? Next verse. And they shall say to the elders, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He would not obey our voice. He's a glutton and a drunkard. And then all the men of the city shall take him out and stone him to death with stones. Why? They shall put away the evil from among us, and all of Israel shall hear and fear. Isn't that a severe treatment for a, a kid that just wouldn't listen to you? Boy, if you did this today... A few years ago, they would get, there were law cases suing Christians because they spanked their kids. Imagine, <laughs> why would God do this? I mean, he's just mean. Is he tough? No, because God understands something we don't. God understands how dangerous to the heart attitudes are. And honor and dishonor are attitudes of the heart. And they are infectious. We've got living in an age of COVID. Oh, I never thought. Where everybody covers their mask up, social distancing, make sure you got your shots, your boosters, whatever. You know, and we're just so for, it's, we're kind of relaxing all that. But for two years, we were very, so conscious of, oh, I better be careful of this. We were so aware of how we could easily be infected by disease that can kill your body. But I tell you today, there are pandemics, there are infections that are out there in our society that are, that are spiritually fatal. And this is what God understood 
and he was trying to drill in them how serious this is. Proverbs 4.23. Do you have that? Put that up. Is that my next one? Am I getting you out of order? Where did I go? Oh, okay. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Go back. I missed something. Okay. No, go ahead and do it. I'm going to get out of order here. Solomon writes these words. Keep, I like the translation, say, guard your heart with all diligence. That's what God is doing here. Guard your heart with all diligence. Why? Because out of it flow or spring the issues of life. You're living today with the things that have been in your heart. Your family's living today with what's in their heart. Our nation's living today with what's in the heart of our people. We talked about guns a couple weeks ago. And yes, I don't believe we need all these guns. But ultimately, it's what's in the heart of people. And God knows where the issue is. Your heart, everything comes out of your heart. I know where I got out of line. Uh, Galatians, God knows the danger of these attitudes getting in our heart. Galatians 5.9, they're not going to put it up there. Paul says, a little leaven leavens the whole loaf. Those of you that, that bake, understand this, leaven is yeast. And, and if you put, you've got a bowl of your dough, and you put a little yeast over in the corner of it, Well, that's the yeast is good. You know what yeast does? Yeast causes you to expand in size, but not in volume. It makes it larger, look larger than it really is. There was a restaurant in, down at Quincy Market. I used to work in, right across the street from it. And we would go in there, it was called the Proud Popover. Proud, that's interesting, Proud Popover. And their, their specialty were these popovers. And these big muffins like this until you poked a hole in it and it went. Pfft because it was filled with air, hot air, which is where people that are puffed up are like. That's why leaven is such a great example. But Paul is saying in Galatians 5.9, a little leaven gets into the dough and changes it. So he's dealing there with guarding, it, guarding your heart in, in Galatians. Also, in Hebrews 12.15, we're not going to put that up there, it, says, it talks about being careful that you do not allow bitterness in your heart. And he refers to it as a root of bitterness because that bitterness, if it's not dug out, will cause many to be defiled. Think after over the 43 years of this church, the hundreds and hundreds of people that have come through here. And many have left because people talk to one another and they get offended and they start spreading their offense and that begins to spread like COVID and begins to get in their hearts and suddenly the word that they were hearing that was bringing life now gets translated through the heart of offense and now the devil roots you out of where you're growing and directs you somewhere else and you bring your offense with you because until it's dug out and this is what God is getting at 
God understands how important it is to be very diligent about what's allowed in our heart, the attitudes that are allowed in our hearts. We had a great teacher here a number of years ago. He ran a Christian school. I don't know if it still exists. And he was talking to us as parents about when you discipline, make sure you're not disciplining their behavior just. You've got to discipline the attitude that was behind the behavior. It's just like you come into your kitchen. We had this happen once. We've been away. We come into your kitchen and there are flies all over the place. And so you go around swatting the flies and spraying the flies and you think they've gotten all done and then you leave the room. But what you, didn't, what you saw but didn't pay any attention to is there's a pile of garbage in the middle of the kitchen floor. Well, that's okay. I'll just kill the flies. But the garbage is what's causing the flies. And the attitudes in the heart are what's causing the behavior that's coming out of their mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So God is so, so strict with this people in this, that generation to, to have such a severe penalty because He understood what they did not understand, that that attitude of disrespect, that attitude of dishonor is infectious. And we're living in a society that's under a far worse pandemic than COVID is because of the dishonor that's rampant in our world today. Well, let's go to the New Testament. This is what I kind of skipped over. We'll go back, we're going to go back to the New Testament. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and 6 deal with relationships. God deals with... Rela- God, relationships matter to God. And in chapter 5, towards the last half of it, he's dealing with the relationship of actually Christ and the church but he uses the example of a fa- husband and a wife. And he tells, starts out, you know, many, many times we pick up in verse 21, it says, wives, uh, wives, love your, wives um, uh, submit to your husbands. But the verse before, verse tells husbands and wives to submit to one another out of reverence, honor for the Lord. So it's all about submitting, it's all about honor. And so he's commanding the husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church and he tells them what the standard is and laid his life down for the church. So husbands, we're commanded to lay our life down for our wife. That means when it gets too hard, when she's not what you want her to be, when they start getting older and they don't look like they did when you married them, when they have a bad day, that has nothing to do with it. That's the chance to lay your life down for your spouse. Because imagine if Christ looked at you and said, you know, (laughs) you don't look the way you did when you first got saved. You know, I'm going to find somebody else to have a relationship with. You know, aren't we glad He didn't do that? He laid His life down for us. And then it tells wives to respect their husbands, to submit to their husbands. Isn't it interesting? He doesn't tell them both to do the same thing? Because He knows us. He knows the challenge husbands have is to love their wives because we're selfish and self-centered. I thought I'd get some amens out there from the ladies. Oh, it's Father's Day. Excuse me. That's right. But he has to tell the wives. He doesn't have to tell the wives to love their husbands. That's built into their nature. He does to tell them to respect them because wives see things husbands don't see. And because they see things husbands don't see, they can become proud of what they see and think they're their husband's savior and their husband's God instead of their husband's help me. 
Was that okay, guys? All right, I equal it out. Okay, all right. I didn't say this. This isn't my idea. Well, it's... All right. You've got to move off of that. So five, Ephesians 5.33. Oh, wow. Nevertheless, he's summing this all up. Let each of you in particular... So, he's talking about husbands. Love your wives as himself. And let the wives see that she respects her husband. This just is simply honor. It's a position in your heart that you give to your spouse. Now, chapter 6, which, of course, Paul didn't write these in chapters and verses. He's now going to deal with the parent-child relationship. Verse 6, chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is referring the same way he told husbands and wives to, 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 to submit to one another out of reverence or honor for the Lord. He's telling children to obey your parents out of reverence and honor for the Lord. We're going to get to that in a few minutes. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and you may live long on the earth. Now, under the Old Testament, you didn't live long if you didn't honor your parents because they stoned you to death. (laughs) We're in an age of grace, which doesn't mean it doesn't produce a consequence What it does mean is we have the grace to adjust our hearts, which is what we have a chance to do today. Verse 4. Now, here's the other. Fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training or nurture and admonition, instruction of God. So we can provoke our children if you are hard on them and not doing out of... God's love for them, God is your model, we can provoke anger out of our children and that's tempting them to dishonor us. So it is in the New Testament also. Then, keep going. This is good. Now we're going to deal with not bondservants and masters, with employers and employees. Let's put it in those terms. So employees... Be observant to, obedient to your masters, to your employers, according to the flesh, the people in the flesh you work with. With fear and trembling, that means with honor, in sincerity of heart, as unto Christ. All of these things, notice, the honor between a husband and a wife is out of honor for Christ. The honor that a child is to give to their parents and the the discipline that a parent is to give to the child is out of honor to Christ. And employees, you are to be obedient, you will be respectful and honor your employer and your employers to respect and honor you out of respect and honor for Christ. But with eye service, not as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart from the heart alright oh wow but what is honor how, how, wh- how okay okay I want to honor my parents I want to honor what is honor and how do I do it well there are several definitions I found the Greek word for the word I read earlier was is to cause the dignity and worth of somebody or thing to become manifest these are in my notes you can get them online to cause the dignity and the worth of a person or of a thing to become manifest or seen. Secondly, is to recognize the value of someone or something 
And third is to show respect, and there are others you could give. But the key is this, and this is what we've already seen. It's an attitude of the heart that's reflected in what you say or do. The reason that teacher was saying you've got to deal with the attitude of disrespect in the heart, not just the actions that they say. Because it is a heart issue. And because it's of the heart, it affects your life. That's what we saw in Proverbs 4. Out of the heart flow the issues of your life. Your heart controls your life. And because it is of the heart, it has to start. Honor has to start with the heart. And secondly, this is so important, it is a decision. It's an act of your will. It is not an emotion. All right. That's great, Pastor John. But here's the issue. If honor is recognizing the value... We're going to talk about parents now. If honor is recognizing the value of our parents and showing respect and recognizing their dignity, what about the parents that, in our estimation, don't deserve that for one reason or another? That we don't see how they're worthy of honor. Yes, Pastor, I understand. I can give honor where I can see an honorable, honorable parent, honorable father. But my father wasn't like that for various reasons. It may be that you didn't know your father, I mean, for a number of reasons. Maybe that your father died when, before you were old enough to know them, or maybe your mother had a relationship with somebody and that you were the result of the relationship and you, they never saw each other again, and, and that's the father that you technically have, but you've never known him before. What, what about a situation where you've got a father who was absent? I mean, maybe he's physically absent. Your parents were divorced, separated, and your father was somewhere else, and you never saw him. I mean, you knew he was, but you just didn't see him anymore. Or, as is very more common, your father was physically there, but he was emotionally absent from you and not emotionally present to you and did not give you, may have provided for you, but didn't give you the love and nurturing that we see here that you needed. Or you have a situation where, this is becoming all too common nowadays, where the father is abusive, either physically or emotionally or in other ways abusive. Say, so, Pastor, okay, I understand honor is, is recognizing the value. How can I give honor in those situations? Or you've got a situation where your father's passed away and it's Father's Day and I want to give honor to my father, but I can't. He's not here. Father, Lord, Father, Pastor, how, how do I do that? Well, I'm going to give you some thoughts and then a testimony. Four things. First of all, we can do it because God's commanded us. And this is really a fundamental issue. God commands us to do something and we say, I can't. So that either means God's unfair or I'm wrong. Those are really the only two choices that I see. These are not God's suggestions. These are not God's rules. These are not God's advice. These are God's commandments. Now, the value of a commandment is there are only two choices. I can either obey it or disobey it. There's no middle ground. And that's for a purpose because God has to bring us to that place to force us to do things we don't want to do or don't think we can do because if we're ruled by what we think we can do and what we want to do, we'll never really grow. 
So as a good father does, a good father forces his children to do things they don't think they can do or don't want to do. And I still remember those two lima beans that sat on that plate. And my mother, I knew I'd die if I ate them. But she would not relent. And today they're one of my favorite foods. But don't get me lima beans, please. (laughs) Oh, I love them. so. So, it starts as an act of obedience to God, our God and our Father. Just an act of obedience. And God will honor acts of obedience even when we don't feel it, we don't understand it. If we're obedient, God will honor that. It's done by faith, not by our feelings or understanding. And it's faith that by doing this, I'm giving God honor, and God clearly is worthy of all glory and honor. So the first thing is recognizing I can do it regardless of any of these circumstances because God's commanded me. The second thing is, and this is so important, here's how you can do it, is to recognize the real reasons God requires us to honor our fathers and mothers is your life came from them. You may have gotten nothing else from them, but you got your life from them. It may have been not intended. You may have not been what they wanted. That's irrelevant. Your life came from a physical act your mother and father did, and you are the physical result of that, and so you have a debt. You owe your life to your parents. They may have messed it up. They may have failed you, but your life itself did not come from you. It came from them. So just for that reason alone, they're due the honor and recognition that their life came from you. Your life came from them. Appreciating, appreciating this reminds us that we didn't create ourselves and that we are debtors. And therefore, it helps us to develop humility. The third thing, honoring your parents regardless of whether they deserve it or not is showing respect for the position. I was thinking this morning, and it is, when I, I was commissioned a second lieutenant in the Air Force, and then for various reasons I didn't go on active duty. And I remember coming out of the, out of the, the place at Hanscom Field, I've got this little star, gold, or, you know, it's not gold, a silver uh, bar on my, on my shirt, and I'm walking out. I'm, fr- I mean, I'm, just, I'm, I'm 10 minutes a second lieutenant, and the staff sergeant walks by and does this to me. And I gave him a salute back. It was awkward. I gave him a salute back. That makes no sense. This guy's been in the Air Force for his career, probably. He knows infinitely more than I do about life in the military. And I am wet behind the ears. I know nothing. And he salutes me. Because I was trained in this. He didn't salute me. He doesn't know me from Adam. He didn't salute me because I'm worthy of being saluted. He saluted the rank that was on my shoulder. Because the military operates by honor. In fact, I think that's one of the mottos of the Marines. It operates by honor. Honor and respect for the position therefore makes it easier to, be, to follow the, 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 the... to be obedient to that person that they had put over you. So we honor the position if you cannot honor the person that serves in that position. I want to give you a great, a great example. Luke chapter 2. I've got to summarize this. Luke chapter 2. This is a story of the, G- Jesus and his parents. Jesus is 12 years old. His parents bring him for the Passover feast to, to Jerusalem. The feast is over, and, and they leave. All right? And they traveled in large caravans to understand this. And they get three days out and realize, you think you've ever had a bad time, they realize they lost God's son. 
entrusted the salvation to the world to us and we lost him. (laughs) So they go back and when they go back, they find this 12-year-old boy in this temple asking questions and giving answers and and the religious intelligentsia are amazed at what's coming out of him. This is important to understand what he's doing here. So he's beginning to operate in the wisdom of God that he is because he is the wisdom of God. He's been made unto us wisdom. And they come and find him and as any parent, they get mad at him. We're not going to read. What did you do do to us? You weren't thinking of us. You just stayed here and we went on home and you're not... And so I want to go to the, the last verse I gave you. So all of this, he's demonstrating his wisdom. He's beginning to operate in who he is as the Son of God, the wisdom of God. And we'll look here at verse uh, 51. And he went down with them. This is God's Son. This is God in the flesh. He went down with them to Nazareth and he was subject to them. That word means submitted to them. Think of this. If we're talking about, well, I give honor and respect only to those that, that, are, that are, are, have earned it. His value as who he is is infinitely greater than theirs. And yet he subjects himself to them because they're his physical parents. And finally, it's something you do regardless of your parents' response. I'll give you an example of that in a minute. Why? Because it does something for you. It, it clears your heart of whatever has been in there that's affecting your life. It clears your heart. And it opens your heart for God to bring healing. Now, this stirred in me because of an incident in my own life. Two things. My father, who's been gone almost 20 years now. I've shared some of this before with you. I'm not going to go into any details. My father, my father was, was, was an alcoholic. My father was not physically abusive, but emotionally abusive. He, he, was, he came from a very controlling, very controlling family, and he was very controlling himself. And so what I did when I got older when I went to college and got out of, and I could do what I wanted to, when I wanted to do, I essentially broke off my relationship with him. I'd talk to him, I'd, you know, birthday card, things like that. But we really didn't have any communication. And then when I was in my mid-40s, I wanted to reestablish it with him. So I went down to where he was in Florida. He was getting older. He was not well. And I remember still looking at him in the face and saying, Dad, we've never really been intimate in our relationship. I want, I want that intimacy with you. And he looked at me, back at me, and he said, I don't. No, just, and that shook me at my core. A few years later, he passed away. And a little while after that, a box arrives at our house. And I open it up, and his wife had sent this box of stuff of his she thought I'd want. And it was filled with pictures, thousands of pictures. And I'm looking through this stuff, and I can feel this attitude stirring in me. And Anita looks at this stuff and says, wow how he loved you and I got angry what do you mean he loved me and I started going through in my mind all this stuff and then she said something that changed my life she says all these pictures are of you 
And suddenly it hit me. With all the stuff my father did or didn't do, he loved me. And then I could begin to remember how he was raised, the situation he was raised in, and how controlling his parents were and his grandparents were. And I began to realize, and now I could understand why he, that being intimate with me was threatening to him. It wasn't that he didn't love me. It was threatening to him. It wasn't about me. It was about him. And I began to realize my father did, loved me as best he could and as best me knew how. And I made that reconciliation with him and he was gone. But what stirred this with me was a phone call I had with Neil Gass, who's a friend of mine. We talk once a month. Some of you know who he is. My mother's 98. My mother's in a nursing home not far from here. But she has severe dementia. And for years, when she was in, living at a home in Philadelphia, and then we, she moved to Maine, she went into an assisted living place. I, I didn't do the daily care, but I would take care of her affairs. I would take her to the doctor. We moved her down here. My son, Chris and Jen, graciously took her in, and they provided care for her. But I managed her health care. I managed everything for her. I was responsible for her, ultimately. And she fell and broke her hip. She went into the nursing home, and I lost all, con- I lost all that. I had no more... No more responsibility for her. And I would go and see her, but as the dimension developed and she just didn't recognize, I couldn't talk with her. She'd just sit there or lay there and just be there. And so and gradually I just got discouraged and I just stopped. And I kind of gave up. Because how do you... How do you commu- I, if I can't communicate with you, how can I have a relationship? And it was in talking with Neil Gass a week ago. I was talking about this. I said, it bothers me inside because this verse comes to me, honor your father and mother because the blessing comes with a long life. Well, I'm, I've lived long, not long as I want to, so God's been merciful, but it bothered me that I wasn't honoring her and I don't know how. And he shared some things with me that opened the door. He said, John, he said, whether she can talk to you or not, whether she even understands who you're on, you're, they, and he's a trained psychologist your loving presence there affects her so whether you think you're doing anything or not you are not only that it'll do something for you so I made a commitment to go every week to there and I, so I went right from the phone call I went over there and I sat with her she was about to get ready to eat and the same thing I don't know how to talk to her so I just started stroking her shoulder And as I did, something began to open up inside of me. My love for my mother. And we had some rough times too. And then I had the opportunity to feed her. And it did something for me. And then the Lord showed me, He said, what I want you to do is I want you to write a letter to your mother. And I want you to thank her for the things that she's done for you. Because at first I couldn't think of much. But the more I thought about it, the more I saw things. And then yesterday, uh, Saturday, we went over there and I sat with her and I started telling her some of these things I'm putting in that letter. And she began to respond. You know how powerful love is? I'm sharing this with you because there are many of you in situations that are similar, either your parents gone, but there's still issues within you. God deals with this at the very end of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4. 
His revelation of the Old Testament is ending. And this is what he ends with. Revelation, uh, Matthew, my, Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded you in Horeb of Israel. We talked about that. With the statutes and the judgments. Verse 5. Behold, I will send Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Stay there a second. In the New Testament, Elijah is John the Baptist. And obviously the Lord is Christ Jesus. And look at the last words. Verse 6. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. And with those last words, the revelation of God to the earth was silent for 400 years. And when God begins to speak again, it is in Matthew announcing the arrival of of the Savior who's come to heal the brokenhearted, who's anointed to restore the relationships, bring life and sight to the blind. And you and I are in this, that age where Christ is here to bring healing to these relationships. And the time is late, but I want to do this. This is what I felt in my heart to do. For any of these situations where you had a relationship with your father or it could even be your mother, where there's hurt, where there's damage for any of those reasons, reasons I haven't thought of. And you know there's still issues in your heart. There's a memory of things they've done for you and you need your heart cleaned out. You need to give honor to them and they may not be deserving of that honor because of where they've been or how they've done. They may not be able to, you may not be able to physically honor them because they're not here anymore or you don't hear, but you can honor them by faith. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand. Uh, this, this place has got to be filled with people. This is not a time to be shy. We're talking about your heart. Healing. God wants to bring healing. Christ came to heal the brokenhearted. To, that in order to receive that healing, you have to be willing to admit that there's issues there that you need. Maybe you, this has really struck something in you or like I did when my wife sent my, my, these pictures of my father arrived and there's an anger in you just to hear about your father. You need to stand. Back in the balcony, I see people standing. You need to stand because we, God wants to... He dropped this in my heart the other day. He wants to deliver you. We may have teens here and your father may be here. And God wants to heal and restore that relationship, bring peace into your heart. It's about you delivering you, setting you free. One more moment. Sometimes people struggle with this. This is a difficult issue, especially with fathers. Because the father is the one God's designed to give you protection. And maybe he didn't protect you. Maybe he hurt you. Father is the one that's designed to give you stability and to give you, give you, give you, uh, provide and give you order in your house. And maybe he was absent; he wasn't there. All these hurts. I'm going to wait a moment because there's still some a sense. There's still some I sense, and some of you are struggling because it's deep in you. And you're afraid if I stand, you don't know what's going to happen. I'll tell you what's going to happen. God's going to free you and heal you. It's for your sake. God's going to free you and heal you.
All right, here's the first thing I want to do. I'm going to pray for you, but I want you to all look at me. With the exception of one person in this room, I'm not your father. But I want to stand here this morning in the place of your father. And for whatever your father did or didn't do, for whatever your father was or wasn't, that in any way in your mind is the last thing you'd think of would be to honor your father. Physical abuse, emotional abuse, absentee, failure, whatever it is. I want you to look at me. I'm standing here by faith as your father. And I'm telling you I'm sorry. I was not what you needed me to be. I'm telling you I'm sorry that I failed you. And I am asking you to forgive me, to release me from the debt I owe you for what I did or didn't do. And I ask you to forgive me. And I tell you, whether you can believe it or not, that I love you. I may not have known how to tell you. I may not have known how to act it out. I may not have even known you, but if I'd known you because you're God's child, I would have loved you. And so I ask you to please forgive me and release me from the debt that I owe you. And in the process, God will release you. I want to pray for you now. Father, you know every situation that's represented by the people that are standing here right now. You even know those that are, in, that are not standing for whatever reason they maybe should have. I pray for each one of these people. They've stood here by faith, and by faith, they're forgiving their Father for whatever it is that's interfered with them honoring Him. And now we ask You, Father, to strengthen them and enable them to give that honor to their Father and show them ways, as You've shown me, ways to show that honor. For some, it may be to go to a gravesite. For some, it may be to write a letter. For some, it may be to make a phone call. For some, it may be to go make a visit. But Father, when our hearts are open, you will never fail to show us the way because this is what you have said to us to do. And at the bottom of this, above all things, we want to give honor to you. Now, I pray for each one of them, Father, that the grace of the Holy Spirit will help them dig down deep and release them from the bondage and burden that all of this has caused them and bring healing into their heart. For Jesus was anointed to heal the brokenhearted. And we pray, Father, that in this congregation that you will open the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers to deliver us from the curse. And for these things we thank you 
In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We're going to do one last thing. First of all, do you have, Pastor Michael, do you have people? Just, just you? Okay. If you were just standing and, and you would like some further prayer, Pastor Michael's over here and he has some people that would be happy to pray with you. But also I want to ask this. Maybe you're, you're here this morning or you're, you're watching online. And this idea of God as a father, you've heard it before, but you don't have a relationship with, with him at all. Maybe you've been in church your whole life. That's what I was. I grew up in church. I knew, I was taught Jesus was the savior of the world, that Jesus died to pay for our sins, that, that God loved us, all these things I was taught. But it was never real to me in my heart. In my head, yes, but not in my heart. It wasn't until I was in my late 30s that God began to work in my heart and call me to and I began to realize how empty I was inside. And I realized I'd never invited this Christ I believed in into my life. I'd never received him as the one that paid for my sins. Yes, the sins of the world, that's great, but not for my sins. And one night in my living room, I stood there and said, Jesus, I don't know if you're real, but if you are, I'm asking you to come into my life. And something happened in me. I know now it was the Holy Spirit began to come in me and suddenly I was just filled with this love of God. And it changed how I saw people. And that was 43 years ago or 40 more than years ago. And I've been on a journey of this ever since. If that's you, if you're here or you're watching online and you've never invited this Christ into your life, to heal you on the inside, to make you new on the inside, to bring that joy and that forgiveness to you. I'm, he's offering himself to you this morning. If that's you, here, present, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? He just wants to show you how much he loves you, but he wants a real relationship with you. And maybe you didn't have this with your father or anybody else, but Jesus can be so real to you, live in you so much. And this is what he wants to do, to bring that love and forgiveness to you. Anyone else? Sir, I'm going to ask you if you do a bold thing. Just come right here. I want to pray with you right here. Thank you for the courage to do this. Just stand and face me. No, face me. Anybody else? Because sometimes when somebody comes... I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer. You're just doing this by faith. Those of you that are watching online, I'm going to ask you to join me if you've made the same decision. Just say this with me. Say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. You know everything I've ever done, everything I've ever said, everything I ever thought. For whatever did not please you, I ask you to forgive me. I repent of it. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Make me clean in your sight. Jesus, I call upon you to come into my life as my Savior. Fill me with your Spirit that I may live strong for you for the rest of my days. Thank you for loving me this much. Amen and amen. Thank you, sir, for coming up. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to go just as soon as I release you. This is Pastor Michael. I'm going to ask you to go with him for just a couple of minutes because he has some material he wants to give to you that you can take home with you to give you a better understanding of what you've done. 
you've made the best decision you're ever going to make in your whole life now or her effort. And you have blessed us. God bless you. God bless you. If you go with Pastor Margaret. If you prayed that with me online, you can have the same, inform- same opportunity, same information. There's a phone number at the bottom of your screen right now. If you would call that number tomorrow morning, a live person will answer that phone, will get your information because they want to send you the same material that we're giving to these people. And what you need to do is you need to tune in next week or, or, or watch online or better yet, come and be here next week because and, and, you'll grow and be blessed by doing that. Praise the Lord. Let's stand together. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being patient. We went over time today, but I really believe that it was important. Wednesday night, I believe we're going to finish up renewing the mind. It's been a wonderful time doing it. There's some things we need to get on with. God bless you. Thank you. Don't forget the photo op when you leave around to your left. Thank you, guys. He is doing something. He is up to something. God is doing something. Right now, he is up to something. He is up to something. God is doing something. Right now.